very dismissive of Invincible when I first saw the ads. And I have a fire stick, so every time I turned on my TV to watch anything, the first thing I would see was Invincible. And the trailer would just come on automatically once I turned on my television. And I guess through that ad placement, I wanted to watch it, but I was like, is this some Justice League spinoff? Or something, because it looked like the Justice League, but I didn't know that it was based off the comics, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to watch this. And then I saw a snippet of the infamous first episode ending, and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll watch this. You know, I like ultraviolence, and there was some ultraviolence in that scene. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. And then I never watched it. And the reason is I'm very hesitant with television, very hesitant about television because one, every time someone recommends me a show and says, it's amazing, it's great, it never really is. And I feel as though in my adolescence, I watched so much television, like a lot of television, and I wasn't watching it mindlessly. And when I was a teenager, I was really starting to get into film not theory but like analysis and just analyzing i was more of like a fanboy than anything but i wasn't watching television or movies like mindlessly or passively i was really active when i was watching like how do they do this how do they do that how do they write this how do they put all this together i was thinking about these things so already at that age i was making notes that when things were recurring in terms of writing style and arcs they got boring to me and then after some time i realized that i just left television behind because i just started to see everyone doing the same sort of approach to a story and even though it was like different templates different genres i felt like everyone was doing the same thing i feel like this era of television just wants to be subversive for the sake of being subversive but then when everything is subversive, it loses the intrigue of subversiveness, if that makes sense. And I just feel like everyone was trying to do something that was niche and divergent. But then when everything is niche and divergent, or at least thinks it is, it just it just it just doesn't sit well with me. And it just doesn't make it that counter culture, if that makes sense. And I can't watch multicam. I just can't watch multicam because of the high quality television shows we've received in like the past decade. Uh, you know them, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. What you can say whatever you want about the end of the show. I mean, leading up to it, it was like a ten out of ten for me. Up until season four, I honestly thought that the show was already declining by season five in terms of writing, and I could see that as a fifteen-year-old. I'm like, these guys are running out of ideas. The fantasy elements is just fading away. It's becoming more entertaining and fan servicey than it was more serious and about like writing and actual like drama and conflict. And it just became more action based, I think, after season four when it started diverging from the books. And again, I can't watch multicam shows because for that reason, I just feel like the writing, editing, directing, acting, everything is so generic. So that's why I'm hesitant about TV shows. I kind of just stick to anime. I also want to talk about anime on this podcast. Uh, but I just stick to anime and movies, honestly. So I put off Invincible because I was just hesitant that 
first off, it just looked like a copy and paste of Justice League. And again, I didn't know that it was based off an actual comic that wasn't part of the DC Marvel Monopoly. So I just put it off and I was like, ah, it's just another show. And I only watched it because my roommate's little brother came to visit us well, him and said, we should watch this show, Invincible. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I see the ads. I'm down. Let me watch it. And then from the start, I memed the hell out of this show because it just felt like such a copy and paste in the beginning of the Justice League. And not only in the characters, but also just in the animation style, it felt like the 2000s and Justice League animated series. And it also felt a little bit like Young Justice in terms of the tone that there was like a teenage superhero team. And when we were watching the first sequence with the Guardians of the Globe, who I was like, oh, Guardians of the Globe, that's so Guardians of the Galaxy. And War Woman totally is hot girl. And then this Martian Manhunter looking guy. The Immortal, who's kind of like Wolverine. And then this Batman looking guy. And then this fish who has water powers. That's Aquaman. Red Rush, who is... Just a copy and paste of The Flash. And I thought to myself, how is this interesting? This is just so non-original. But then thinking that, okay, we're in this area of being subversive, being divergent. There has to be something about this that's pulling people in. So then I started to hypothesize, well, what, what is it? Is it the ultraviolence, which we didn't really get to see in the beginning of the first episode? much so then i thought oh well his son's getting powers wouldn't it be crazy if his son became a villain that's what i originally thought and i was close because at the end of the episode after the the title it's the title sequence the invincible title card comes out at the end of the first episode and then after the credit scene there's a scene where all the guardians of the globe reconvene at their headquarters and you think that, I don't know, there's just some crisis that one of them called the others to come meet. But they all are there and like, oh, who called us? And there's just no questions asked at all. Omni-Man comes through and then just starts whooping everybody. It was that infamous ending scene that I saw originally on the internet that made me interested in the show. But all I had seen was Omni-Man crushing Red Rush's head. And I was like, oh, I saw that part. And I was like, okay, the other heroes are going to gang up on Omni-Man and like beat him and win. Because he's outnumbered and they're like the heroes. So that's what's going to happen. No, he just shot on everybody. It worked them. Not even worked them. He obliterated them. And by obliterate, I mean kill in the most grotesque, but also entertaining ways possible. He just breaks War Woman's neck, and it's so disgusting. He just decapitates the Aquaman guy. Batman tries to do a sneak attack, but he's, like, screaming during the sneak attack, so it kind of breaks the the sneakiness of the attack. And he just catches him in the leg and just smashes his face into the ground like Hulk did to Loki, except it actually would show what would happen to Loki in an R-rated 
his whole body just discombobulates and he just throws him at I don't even remember her name because it doesn't even matter because we're never going to see them again, from what I understand. This one character who has, like, entangability, who can phase through material objects, she, like, catches him, and he's like, she's like, oh, shit. And then Omni-Man punches her straight to the skull. The only people who were giving him work were War Woman and the Immortal, but then they both got pieced up. He got decapitated and punched right through the the whole abdomen, he just, Omni-Man just punched right through him. But they, like, gave him enough damage to basically almost, like, kill him, like, near death. Like, they, they actually gave him some type of work. And then there was the Martian Manhunter kind of guy who, like, wrapped, who has, who's kind of, like, I guess, Elastic Man? And he can, like, or, like, Mr. Invincible. Oh, what am I saying, Mr. Invincible? Mr. Fantastic. Who can, like elongate his limbs i guess but omni-man just like ripped him into shred like literally just ripped him off his body and then they got worked and it wasn't then where i was hooked to invincible but it was there where i was like yes i like this show but then i started to love the show in the later episodes and the reason why i love invincible isn't because it's a subversion of the superhero subgenre, but it just feels like its own separate entity from that subgenre in the first place. And I think movies or stories or arcs that are subversive of the genre feel like, I guess, Avengers Infinity War is quote-unquote subversive because the heroes lose. But it has the same threads. And it, you can see that movie as being like a part one to Endgame. But it's still part of this larger canon of cliche superhero films. A larger arc, the Infinity War arc of a cliche superhero story. Which in the end of the Infinity Saga, the Avengers still win. And they lose like one pivotal member. Two. But in this show, it maps out all these narrative beats that we're used to. A boy wants powers. A boy gets powers. He becomes a hero. He fights villain. He gets a girl. And then he saves the day. And all those beats are basically laid out for us in the first episode. His love interest, that he wants powers. He wants to become a hero kind of who the villains are but that there are villains existing and that his father at least is Omni-Man and he quote unquote saves the day and it just doesn't even undercut those narrative beats it just says that those are useless Mark has no real plot armor you can argue who does but I think it's very minimal in comparison to other protagonists we see in anime, for example, if Mark is facing someone who is a lot stronger than him, which he does basically every episode, he will get worked. He is not like an anime protagonist, I'm sorry, who will find some hidden strength or just a surge of power through the, through, through the power of friendship and just seeing their comrades getting hurt on the battlefield. Because 
it happens to him when he's fighting Battle Beast, um, where he like has like some sort of anger break and he he cusses and then he you think oh yeah he's gonna whoop their ass for a second, and then Battle Beast comes and just like breaks his ankle, just smashes his ribs and he he basically kills him. If Cecil's whole team weren't there, they just all would have died. And just some side character, not even a side character, a character who we met literally 10, 5, 10 minutes ago, just broke the main character into pieces in like the first season. Who has really no narrative influence on the main story, which is the conflict between Mark and his dad at all. He just whooped his ass. That's crazy to me. But then I also really love Invincible because it's critical of what the superhero genre tells us. And what does the genre tell us is that there are people in this world with who are superior to most people, to everyone, to the masses, biologically, intellectually, if you're Batman or Iron Man or Reed Richards. And they're usually the best-looking strongest, fastest, and wealthiest people in the world. And they're the most powerful, and all of them, or most of them, are going to use their powers for good? Why would we assume that people with power would do the right thing and help the little people if in our own world the people with power historically and today don't do that? And then the genre also assumes that there's just a very rigid binary of good and black, bad and black and white, sorry, that, you know, there are villains who are just innately or people who are just innately bad, not a product of their circumstances. And there are people who are just innately good, like Superman. But in the in a, in a sub arc of Invincible, where Mark meets Titan, who's played by Mahershala Ali. He helps him fight this neighborhood local villain, Machine Head, who his dad, Mark's dad, tells him, ah, don't worry yourself with this local business. Think big. Think global. Think, you know, national. Don't worry about this community stuff. But Mark is seeing how Machine Head is basically owns everything in the community, destroying it, the real estate, property. And crime is rampant where Titan is living in this rougher part of town. And he wants to help Titan. But in the end, we find out that Titan was just using Mark. And his dad awkwardly predicted that would happen. that He was just using him to get rid of Machine Head. And Titan, therefore, replaces Machine Head. And I guess the perfect version of that we would prefer would be that Mark helps Machine Head. Sorry, Mark helps Titan to get Machine Head out of... The, the neighborhood and restores the community but it takes a different route that this guy has been pressed underneath the thumb of machine head he's not looking at things so rosy and daisy he's like i'm gonna help mines i'm gonna help my family and I'll, I'll become the next machine head i don't care And that really blurs the lines of good and bad that the superhero 
dominant superhero films and shows try to construct for us. It's because of shows like Invincible and Watchmen that have really shifted my understanding of superhero stories into a more complicated way and trying to understand how they relate to us as a culture that I, I really appreciate that because I went from, I think most of us growing up, you just naturally love superheroes. They're cool and awesome. And there's it's something you can't really explain. You just have a natural gravitation to superheroes. You either did or you didn't, or you still do, or you just got into it because it's kind of popular now to be a Marvel fan or even DC or just like superheroes. It's not like you're not going to get made fun of anymore or bullied because of it. But then as I grew older, I never outgrew the genre, but I just started getting more, I guess, interested in the assumptions it's making again, that these, uber wealthy strong guys would save us if the uber wealthy powerful people on our planet today aren't doing that why would we assume that they would do this stuff why would we assume that this godlike being from another planet would just help us and save us from galactic villains and then I, I think it's so funny that this one-off alternate universe of Superman, Superman Red Sun, which is basically what would happen if Superman landed in Soviet Russia, it, it's clear Red Scare propaganda, that they would just weaponize him. But in America, they're assuming that something like Superman would just be allowed to roam free. You don't think that America would use Superman as a military weapon? But you think the Soviets would? Not saying that they wouldn't, but you're saying that you wouldn't do that? I find that interesting. That's what I like about Omni-Man because, again, when I was watching it, I'm like, how could this be such... Wouldn't DC sue this? This is just Superman's story. You just stole it from another planet, super strong guy, the cape, the powers... The super strength and everything. But then, no. This makes more sense to me. The uber-powerful. The extremely powerful. What He doesn't come from a just a technologically advanced society of just... Or from a, a good-hearted home where he's just a naturally, inherently communally-oriented, I'll-save-you kind of guy. No, he's from a planet of imperialists, galactic imperialists, who, to fish out the weak, they had a battle to the death across the planet where only the strongest would be left. And just the pessimist in me, that that story makes a lot more sense. A Superman who is like that makes a lot more sense to me. A colonial Superman makes a lot more sense to me, sadly, than just this really strong white man helping people. And the third thing that I really love about Invincible 
I only have really one problem with it. I'll just say it now. The animation isn't that amazing. It does feel like an HD version of those old, not old, but those Justice League DC movies and shows I used to watch on Cartoon Network when I was a kid. It feels like a more high-definition version of that. But, I mean, the fighting is awesome in some parts. But other parts, it does feel like Mark, when he, like, especially the flying scenes, just feels like he's like a, a little cardboard cutout just moving across a infinite this infinite background that keeps on looping. That's my only problem. But then I do understand that the budget in this show definitely went to the cast more than it did to the animation or the animators. Because the cast is just... First, you have Steven Yeun playing Mark, J.K. Simmons playing his dad, and Sandra Oh playing the mom. Those three, just alone. But then, as side characters, you have Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker... Who's in the episode? Who's in the show? Only like for two episodes. You have Zachary Quinto, Marshall Ali, John Hamm, Ezra Miller, Lauren Cohen, who was in Walking Dead too. Zazzy Bates, and it's pronounced Bates, not Beats, as I always thought. Seth Rogen. The list is crazy. That the money definitely went into the cast more than the animators. So I don't blame it for that. And I think because the show was such a hit, we're gonna come back in the next subsequent seasons and. The animation is going to be great because they see how popular it is. And it's Amazon. They have just too much money. They could make whatever budget they want. They just went conservative for this to see if it was going to be hit. It's a hit, but the budget's going to go up. But I really like the characters in this show. I love the characters in this show because they feel way more rounded and realistic. Because another thing about the superhero genre is that and I'm not, I, this is a very large assumption, but let's just talk about how superheroes are showed to us now. All right, I can't make an assumption on all comics. There's just too many comics, but on TV and in movies, they're just just too perfect. Everything is too perfect. They have road bumps in their life, but they always get over them. And everything is really just too neat in their life, especially when it comes to the women in love interests. And I think it's realistic what they do with Amber, for example, who is, who's played by Zazie Bates and is Mark's love interest. And usually in these stories, well, in the, the, the bigger superheroes, their love interests just feel like extensions of themselves. So like Lois Lane, even how they show her the Snyderverse, she has no personality. She's just in love with Superman. We don't even know why she loves him. Just just because in the comics she does. And they're just extensions of their male their their male partners. I feel like that with all of Batman's love interest and all of Superman's love interest. She has her own agenda and she does her own shit outside of Mark. And I know they do too. But it doesn't really feel like it. And she knows what she wants. And she doesn't take bullshit from him. Even though she kind of figured out that he was a superhero in the end. I know in the end she like goes back to him. Even though she says that she doesn't want to. But just the middle parts feel a lot more realistic. They're not just She's not just going to sit there and take bullshit. You're late all the time. 
not taking the time to actually put in the work in the relationship, she's gonna fucking leave your ass, bro. That feels realistic. And then I like also what they did with Adam Eve too. Her boyfriend was up to some bullshit. And they just she just leaves him. And then she just leaves the super team behind, the super the young justice, young guardians of the globe, whatever. And she does her own shit to find herself. Doesn't really care that her parents are telling her not to do this. She just does her own thing. And she's like, I'm a superhero. I can save the world. I can save the planet. Let me use my powers for good myself under my own agenda. And I like that because it just undercuts undercuts the notion that a relationship makes someone whole. Because I feel like another cliche of the genre is that the, the the later beats of a superhero arc is that you have to find the partner, the love interest that like completes them as a superhero who are then used as damsels or weapons from by the villains. But it's just that that just whole erasure from the beginning of just, yeah, I'm not going to be with this guy anymore. It's just like, no, just do your own thing. Why does there need to be a why do why do they need to be in a relationship? And then just shows a, a woman, a female hero with some damn independent shit you get tired of just this still the same bs heroes and side pieces and just damsels and just female extensions of the men for so long it's like can we get something that actually looks realistic to the woman in our lives who acts like this and then there's the last thing i really love the finale the last episode where Omni Man just reveals to his son, bro, our race isn't, well, our planet is kind of utopian, but it's not all rainbows and sprinkles like I told you. We're actually galactic colonizers. And I came to Earth to prepare it for my people to come colonize so they can be ready and don't resist. And I don't love your mother, she's a pet to me. And I only had you to join me in this initiative. And if you don't, I'm just going to whoop your ass. And then he whooped his son's ass. And it, just, it wasn't even an ass whooping. He just beat him to near death at, at various checkpoints around the globe. He was punching this guy across all seven continents. And then there's that scene where that's just the, that's just the violence in this show where it's like I still haven't watched The Boys, but I know it's kind of like that where it really shows the actual devastation that happens when these superheroes level cities like in Man of Steel or in the Avengers films, even though they address it. But even then, they make it a personal problem of then, oh, my gosh, I, I can't live. My, I can't believe I did this. And not even talking about the people who lost their families, not even. Just very briefly. It's still an individual trauma, but like, oh my gosh. Would you see in that final episode of like, he punches Mark straight through a, a high-rise apartment building, which you know was intentional. He's just flying through cars, streets, killing people unintentionally because he's just a superhuman. And he goes to a building and he tries to save at least two people, a mother and a daughter, and the building falls and they're both dead. And he's still holding on to one of their arms and he pulls it out and it's just decapitated. And then his dad comes, just 
punches his ass down to the underground subway from the from above earth and then a subway car is coming and just holds him up to the subway car and because they're superhumans the subway just breaks right through them and mark's body is literally just a part of this massive devastation of just killing people Oh, no, but then he throws his ass to Mount Everest, fucking punches him so hard and creates an avalanche, finds the avalanche, just destroys an entire village. I don't even know if it's Mount Everest, but just whatever mountain it was, just destroys a village of people, the avalanche. He finds his son in the avalanche, pulls him up, and just be- just wails on him. And only stops because... Mark is so broken and he's just so tired. And then it's that, that meme that everyone knows about now. When he tells him, what, what are you fighting for? Think, Mark, think. And he says, I'll still have you, dad. And you're like, oh, but you're also like, shit, bro. Like, it's too late for this. And then Omni Man follies away. And then that's the end of the season. So Invincible, my very first series review on Filmagra gets and I don't need to even do numerical ratings but it gets a you must watch rating if you like animation action superhero films ultra violence all of that stuff you must watch it I will be reading all the comics now and I won't pick up from where the show left off I think I'm just gonna go back and see like oh what they did what did they change in the TV show that they that was in the comics and just read it because I know it's finished and I think it's only a couple a couple volumes I'm not sure how many volumes but I will read it so that's all I have for you today please go watch Invincible and Ina do you want to close us out make sure to like and follow you can find Film McGraw on Spotify Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcast. See you next time and thanks for listening.